0: I carry this big belief that not only should somebody else be the determiner of when I should and how I should celebrate, but also that they should just, if they loved me, they should just know how I wanted to be celebrated, which is like a glorious trap if I've ever seen one. Uh, Because nobody knows how I want to be celebrated. I'm like waking up fresh every single day with new ideas and, you know... I don't want to be put in a little box of what I like to do last year or anything like that. So I realized that I was setting this this test for people in my life, my spouse, my sisters, my friends, like secretly waiting to see what they would do with it, to see, you know, maybe how much they love me or how worthy they thought I was. And that felt so bad.
1: That was Mara Glatzel, and you're listening to Real Talk Radio with Nicole Antoinette. Episode two hundred. Welcome to Real Talk Radio with Nicole Antoinette. That's me, the podcast that's filled with refreshingly honest conversations about the wonderful mess of being human. This is our two hundredth episode. Insert celebratory noises and screams here. I'm so excited about this body of work that we've created together, and this month I have invited three favorite past guests back to the show, folks whose stories that we've all loved and connected with and learned from over the years, and these guests will join me for conversations about their own milestones, changes, and celebrations. That is my way of just kind of marking what we've created here together on this 100% listener-funded show. I'm always proud of the fact that this show is listener-funded with no ads or sponsors, that it's a real community effort that we have... Put these honest conversations into the world, and the fact that we have done that two hundred times feels so wild, so amazing, and so in the outros at the end of each episode this month, um, you'll find a little little mini Q and A where I answer uh, some listener questions about the making of the show itself. So, just an extra way to celebrate the milestone that we've reached, and I hope that you enjoy it. I honestly started Real Talk Radio back in 2015. Because I believe in the transformative power of honest conversations. I believe that one person talking to another person about their real life can make an impact. And over these 200 episodes, wow, we've talked about so many things. We've talked about everything from sex and money to Death, diet culture, long distance hiking, chasing big dreams, and so much more. The list goes on and on. And over all of those conversations, my belief in the power of honest conversation has only grown stronger. It has been an honor and a delight. To host these conversations, none of which would have been possible without the 400 plus people in our Patreon community, whose contributions of one dollar or more per episode are what make this work possible. So huge, huge, huge hug and thank you to those folks! Our community can be found at Patreon.com/slash Nicole Antoinette. And we do so many fun things behind the scenes together that really do make this feel like a gathering of like-minded people. So if you'd love to see the show continue, if you're curious to get to know other folks in the community, I hope that you will come and join us. And now let's just get right into today's episode. Today, we are joined by now three-time guest, Mara Glatzel. I can't stop inviting Mara back on the show. (laughs) She's an intuitive coach, writer, and podcast host who helps perfectionists and people-pleasers redefine their self-care and reclaim their sovereignty. In this episode, Mara joins me to talk about milestones and celebration, sharing honest stories of some of the most meaningful moments in her life, and how she has intentionally marked and celebrated them. We talk about why celebrating ourselves can feel so hard to do, how to move into a place where it feels safer and more natural, and why it's important to mark our own transformations and identity changes as we move through life. All of that starts in just a moment, and as always, you'll be able to find all the links and resources mentioned in this episode over in the show notes at realtalkradiopodcast.com. Podcast.com. Hey, Mara, welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. I love to be here. No, it's funny. When I when I invited you to come back on, in the back of my head, I was like, have I invited her too many times? Is she going to think that this is ridiculous? But then you seemed really excited to come back, so that made me feel <laughs> happy. Well, what was excellent about it,
0: and I, I told this to you already, was that just that day I had thought about podcasts I wanted to be on, and I was like oh, I'd really love to be on her podcast again. Is that too gratuitous too many times? And I had kind of self-censored myself and then later that day got your invitation. So it was
1: serendipitous. Our desires and needs were meeting up somewhere in the universe, ether, (laughs) and and making it happen. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's nice. I mean, this month, as you know, we're celebrating the 200th episode of Real Talk Radio and I've been trying in my life to make more room for- celebration and also ritual and tradition and just like basically not just letting time pass by, I guess. And I think in certain ways, I struggle with that quite a bit. And then in, in some areas of my life, it comes a little bit more naturally. And so it's it's been nice to sort of have the excuse to get to talk to other folks about how they think about celebration and what that looks like, because it, I do think it really is quite different person to person. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I used to teach this class
0: called Born to Celebrate. And what I found was that people are really uncomfortable with celebration by and large, because we have this idea that a celebration has to look a certain way. And one of my core uh, self-care techniques is to be really creative and thoughtful about how to bring celebration into my daily life and how to use it as a motivator for, you know, getting whatever I'm working on done and use it to as a connection point in my relationships. And, you know, so I love talking about celebration and um, and I love like being open minded about how we can get more celebration um, in a way that doesn't feel stressful
1: or like we have to spend a lot of money on it or it needs to be very heavy handed mm-hmm. in any way. Do you feel like it's something that has always, you know, been a priority for you or come relatively naturally to you? Or do you remember a turning point of, oh, hey, I'm not great at celebrating things in my life and I would like that to change?
0: Yeah, no, it definitely doesn't come. Well, it it comes naturally to me. And um, at a certain point, I learned to have a complicated relationship with it. And, you know, I think that a lot of that has to do with my comfort um, or varying comfort over the course of my life um, around visibility and receiving and being comfortable owning my own approval and enoughness versus outsourcing that to somebody else. And so, you know, I would say when I was young, I love to celebrate and then, uh, <laughs> It got really, um, you know, it got really far away. I started to have that stress of, you know, what if I throw a party and nobody comes, what does it mean? All of that, the social stress that accompanies a lot of how we think about celebration. And then at a certain point, I think I decided that it was too hard. It wasn't worth it to pursue celebration And so the last couple of not, I mean, I guess now it's been like 10, 10, 15 years, but the last 10 or 15 years have been a return to that original source of really enjoying not just celebration, but also receiving attention, which felt really dangerous for me for a long time. And, you know, depending on the celebration that's receiving my own attention or receiving somebody else's attention, but I had this whole period of time where I considered myself to be an introvert and was shocked to later discover that I wasn't, I'm not actually an introvert. I just learned to be embarrassed about how much I like to receive positive attention and, and energy from other people. Like I just learned that it was hard and, you know, fraught with possible disappointment. And it was just easier to circumvent that entire mess and pretend like I was, you know, cool, being this autonomous person who didn't need anybody. And, uh, so finding my way back to celebration has been also partially about that piece of being like, I like hanging out with lots of people. I like when people give me positive feedback. I like being positively affirmed and uplifted and it's safe for me to receive that. It's safe for me to claim that. Um, you know, without waiting for some kind of absolute truth. Like I reached, you know, this is certainly worthy of celebration. That's widely agreed upon by many, many people, but instead owning that celebration for myself and saying, you know, Hey, this is worthy. Hey, I want to have a party. Hey, um, you know, let's do things in this way, or, you know, I'm going to celebrate this small, this small effort, um, today, just, you know, me and myself, But for me,
1: that celebration has a lot to do with claiming my own enoughness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like there's so much that you just shared, even in that alone, that is incredibly relatable to to most people. I'm interested if you can pinpoint anything specific that helped you bridge the gap between celebration feeling unsafe and to more of what you're talking about, how your life is now. And, you know, maybe over the last 10 or 15 years, was there anything either that you did or I don't know, like, I'm not trying to come at it from like a life hacky perspective, obviously, because I know that these things aren't that simple, but I am interested, um, since it seems like it was a significant pivot for you that has been really impactful and meaningful if there was anything that helped. Mm. So a couple of things, um, The first was
0: just making the decision myself to explore celebration before I invited anybody into it. So, you know, that might look like, oh, hey, I did this thing. I think that's pretty cool. I'm going to buy myself something, treat myself to something, get a celebratory coffee, drink my coffee at home in a celebratory way uh, to mark that I have done this thing, that I personally and quietly deem worthy of celebration. So I started to expand my comfort zone, uh, before I invited anybody into it. And then I think one of the first things that I involved somebody else in was, uh, in 2012, I launched my first the first iteration of my business's website. Like I went from having like a personal blog that had some offers to this is a business website. And I worked so hard on it. And when it was done, I really wanted to do something special. And it was the first time that I can remember Saying to a friend of mine, you know, hey, this feels really vulnerable and weird because like, I don't know if you're going to think this is as cool as I think it is, but I did this thing and it's going to launch and I'm wondering if you want to go out to dinner with me to celebrate it and she was super into it and that felt really good and also like i might throw up now <laughs> uh, you know it was just like unco- it was uncomfortable to be like look at me i did this thing <laughs> you know <laughs> cuz i was used to waiting until somebody said look at you you did this thing um but that didn't work i was always waiting for for that so you know starting to kind of reclaim that and then What that grew into was, um, I carry this big belief that not only should somebody else be the determiner of when I should and how I should celebrate, but also that they should just, if they loved me, they should just know how I wanted to be celebrated which is like a glorious trap if I've ever seen one. Uh, Because nobody knows how I want to be celebrated. I'm like waking up fresh every single day with new ideas. And, you know, I don't want to be put in a little box of what I like to do last year or anything like that. So I realized that I was setting this, this test for people in my life, my spouse, my sisters, my friends, and like secretly waiting to see what they would do with it to see, you know, maybe how much they loved me or how worthy they thought I was. And that felt so bad. So I started to instead say, hey, this is my birthday. This is Mother's Day. This is a day where I'm celebrating something. This is what I have in mind. Or this is how you may celebrate me today. this is what I want the celebration to look like and curate my own experiences. And, and it could be, I would like for you to plan a date for us to go on, um, without me having to do anything. So, you know, that's curating an experience or it could be, Hey, I want to go, um, out to lunch with the kids, but like, I don't want to be in charge of the taking the kids to the bathroom, wiping the kids' snotty faces, doing the kids this, doing the kids that, like, can you just like be me for today? And I'll just like, enjoy getting to be here. Um, that, that if you're a mother as a parent is a celebration in and of itself, let me tell you. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I started to be more proactive around what would feel good to me. And there was this one year I was pregnant with my daughter. So must have been my 30th birthday, my 31st birthday. And I really want, I had this like specific vision for this cake. And I had been in Portland, Oregon earlier that year. And I had found this like spectacular candle that you light the top of the candle. And then the candle like opens up and it's like 20 candles and it's rotating and it's singing happy birthday to you. And it's like really, really over the top. And I thought, well, I'm going to have a birthday party and I'm going to have this candle and I'm going to ask for uh, my partner as a chef. So I I can do things like ask for her to make me something. Uh, and I asked her to make me a vanilla cake with buttercream frosting that was like magenta colored. <laughs> and so I wanted this like three tiered magenta colored coconut cake (laughs) with this candle on top. And that seemed really like a lot to ask for, but you know, I, I, it felt so good and it felt so celebratory that, um, you know, asking it's, it's an exercise in trust too. Like I trust that you love me and I trust that you also want to celebrate me and with me. And, you know, I trust that you care what would feel good to me. And really that was about receiving what I, what I want for my partner, for example, you know, like I want to have celebrations for her that are like just so exactly what feels good to her. And so, you know, Pushing my edges a little bit and not every celebration is a big one You know the last couple of years For my birthday or mother's day or something. I you know, I broken an, my ankle then I was pregnant I didn't really feel like doing that much and I think that's so important to keep in mind too is that we're always What sounds good to us? We're oh, it's always fresh. It's always new so, you know one year we may want to have like a whole thing and another, we may want to have just like breakfast in bed and have it be really chill. And, you know, a celebration doesn't have to look a certain way because it's not about the activity itself. It's about the energy and the effort and the intention behind how you're doing it. And learning that meant that I could make anything celebratory. I didn't have to wait for a certain occasion or I didn't have to wait for a certain set of circumstances in order to celebrate. I could you know i could be celebrating right now and you wouldn't even know it right i could be drinking some celebratory water or wearing a special outfit or telling myself in my own mind something that felt celebratory to me like it it can
1: be brought the enter that energy can be brought to any situation yeah, I love that so much that it's about the intention and how you're approaching it and this idea that anything can be special if you decide that it's special and being willing to, I guess, like have the courage to reclaim that for yourself and not always be waiting on, you know, other people to offer it in, you know, their timeline. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you mentioned earlier that um, when you were younger, the fear of, you know, the, I'm going to have a party and what if nobody comes, right? Which I think is a really yeah. relatable thing. Has that ever happened to you? Yes. Yeah. It happened to me too. It happened uh, to me as an adult brutal. though, not as a kid.
0: It's brutal. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's amazing because it's like, we have to be really tender with ourselves around celebration because those kinds of experiences really stick with us. And, you know, our, a defense mechanism may be, well, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. I am done with celebration. Um, and
1: pushing our edges in that space, we have to be so kind to ourselves. Yeah, I think so, too. It's, it's also interesting how what... <sighs> like what happens to you stacks up right that i was sort of in preparation for having these series of conversations this month i was thinking you know not just about maybe the bigger more painful things of when you organize something and you know people didn't come which as you said like of course that's its own thing but i've been thinking more about the sort of i don't know like uptick over the last few years or at least i've noticed this i'd be interested to see you know what you've noticed too of um like more, I don't know if flakiness is the right word, but more last minute rescheduling. And these, I mean, I mean for small things, right? Let's say you have a video call scheduled or a coffee date or a thing. I I just feel like in the last couple of years, I have noticed more and more kind of people bailing to the point where, you know, even if something's on my calendar, I don't really trust, except for with a couple people, I don't really trust that it's going to happen until it's actually happening, which doesn't feel great. And I realized that that those instances, like those tiny drop in the bucket things, and you know, of course, I have rescheduled things too. It's not that that's a binary good or bad thing to do, but that happening over and over in small ways has made me someone who's less inclined to plan bigger things or bigger celebrations because I do have this sort of I don't know, like belief now that, well, people are going to cancel anyway or they're going to say they're going to come and they're not going to come. So what's the point? And something in that feels really sad to me.
0: Yeah, and that does not work for me on a human level. Like I find it very hard to, you know, cancellations. I I mean, like things, life happens, right? I want the people who are in my life to put themselves first ahead of our relationship. Like I, I actively encourage that. And also um, I think that something happens where, you know, if gone unchecked, well, it depends. Some people don't take that personally. Some people are just like, it's cool. You know, things are fluid and, you know, I'll get to it when I get to it. And, you know, I'm like just not that cool. <laughs> I'm I mean, same, a hundred percent same, um, you know, so for me, knowing of knowing that about myself, then, you know, for me, it's a boundary violation. And if, if I'm in a relationship where somebody is continually saying they're going to do something that they're not following through on or saying, you know, I had a friend uh, who was a really, really good friend. And um, this happened in many different ways over the course of our friendship, but there was this one time where I had just had my first child and my partner was working all day. And it was like, I had postpartum depression and anxiety. It was like a really hard time. And I was really trying to ask for help. And it felt like, you know, very difficult to do so. And she had said, I had finally reached out to say like, Hey, can you come over to my house? And, um, and hold my baby while I take a shower for like 10 minutes that like, that would be amazing. And she said, yes. And then she never came to my house Mm. and later was like, Oh, you know, I was doing this thing and then, you know, how it happened, how it goes, you know, I had gone from this to that, to that, to that. And I did know how it goes, you know, like I did, I do, I do get that. Um, But for me in that moment, that like that promise was a lifeline and to have it, have somebody say they were going to do it and then not follow through. I just realized that I need to be a lot more clear in my relationships. Like, like if I'm acting casual, then the other person is going to hear me being casual. And if I'm not saying like, hey, this is really important to me and like I'm tr- like truly going to need you to follow through um, or, or, you know, not maybe in that specific instance, but letting that be known, generally speaking, in my relationships, that's really important for uh, Information for people who are in relationship with me, in order for me to be able to thrive in that relationship, is like, hey, you know, I'm I'm like make a real effort to be impeccable with my word. I do not make promises that I'm not going to follow through with. Like if I say I'm going to be there at 8 a.m. for pancakes, like I will be there at 8 a.m. for pancakes. Put it on my tombstone. Like I'm. That's just how I am, and you know, I need, I need other people that I'm in relationship with to be the same, which doesn't mean that stuff doesn't come up, but at, le- at least, you know, I need them to address it. Like as, as if it is something that they know already is important to me. Mm-hmm. Like, Hey, I know I said I was going to come watch, hold your kid for five minutes. I got hung up on XYZ, i Z. I'll be there in half an hour. You know, like I want there to be space for us all to be human, but I, I, it makes me feel like I don't matter at all when people don't follow through with what they say that they're going to do, and there's no way for me to feel good in a relationship if I f- if I feel like I don't matter, and that relates to celebrations too. Like, you know, for example, I might say like, "Hey, I know already <laughs> how shitty it is to have a party that nobody's going to come to." Like, put stars and and arrows and hearts all around this on your calendar, and make an effort to, to be there. Or maybe I would discuss with them, like what a good time was for them. If it was that important, you know what I mean? Like, but Mm -hmm. have it be, um, not have it be casual because I noticed that for myself, I downplay things a lot because I'm like, oh, you know, if you have a time or if you have a chance when really I'm asking for something that's very important to me and, I need to show up for myself by owning like, hey, I'm asking you for this thing. And actually, it's really important to me. So, you know, not pretending like it's casual when it's not.
1: I mean, I think that that's really the other side of when you mentioned being impeccable with your word, right? There's being impeccable with your word as the person who is making commitments, right? If you are saying yes to something, making sure that to the best of your ability, that that is something that you are going to, you know, show up for. And then also on the flip side, being impeccable with your word when you are the one who is making the ask. Yes, mm-hmm. totally. And, you know,
0: I, for so many years, I wasn't like that because I wanted to be cooler than I am and it just required me getting to that point where i was like oh i'm just like not that cool i'm not that person who's very laid back and like oh it's not it's no big deal and really mean it if i'm saying it's no big deal by and large that's a lie and i need to no, i need to know that about myself and just not say that because
1: that's not being authentic to my wants and needs for that relationship mm-hmm. yeah that's so well said so you've mentioned a couple of things that um seem to be milestones. You know, you told the story about launching your first business website and then obviously having your kids. Other than those things, will you tell me about a milestone that's been important in your life, either something big or small?
0: Yeah, let me think.
1: I really like to celebrate
0: things that I've done in my business. A lot of people in my real life don't know what I do. They're starting to more and more as, you know, online work becomes more prevalent. But back when I was starting my business, people would be like, I don't know, she does something on Twitter. She makes money (laughs) on Instagram. I'm not really sure. Uh, so, you know, and also I found out like years after the fact that they just thought that my partner, somehow magically supported both of us and I was like not really it was like not it was like a novelty business, not a real business, uh, which is hilarious. So I I like to make an effort to celebrate milestones. So, you know, if I when I launched, um, I run a nine-month program called TEND, which is like the, the you know, my like kind of big deal signature thing. And when I created that, um, I wanted to celebrate that, uh, the creation of that. When I had my biggest financial month so far in my business, I wanted to celebrate that. So I like to celebrate those sorts of things. And when I had my kids, I celebrate that, as we mentioned. But other than that something that I like I wanted to celebrate you know beyond just having my kids I took a lot of effort when I was pregnant to celebrate my own transition and transformation from in in becoming a mother and then in becoming a mother again and you know in a new way and you know again it's one of those things where around becoming a mother, there's a lot of milestones that have to do with the baby, you know, or it's like you have a baby shower or you have, yeah, like something, you know, as related to, to the child. But with both of my, in both of my pregnancies, I, um, my, my sisters and my mom, uh, threw me blessing ways, which I had specifically asked for, which was, a time and space that was celebrating me and my transformation and my transition from going from, you know, not being a mother to being a mother and then being a mother again. And that felt really special. Like that's a specific kind of celebration that I'm really drawn to, which is how we mark our own transformations and really claiming them for ourselves. So, you know, that's more of a culturally sanctioned and understood milestone. Although I will say that we societally do not give a lot of attention or credence to the transformation of a mother, um, during the pregnancy and birth process and instead focus on the baby. But these kinds of transformations are happening all of the time. And those are two specific examples, uh, of, you know, and, and honestly releasing my, that, TEND program into the world is one of them too. It's like an acknowledgement that I am not who I was before and that that took a lot of effort and that I feel that I feel really proud of that transformation. And those are the sorts of, of celebrations that I'm really drawn to now. And they're a little bit difficult to kind of pin down because there's no You know, it's not like, oh, well, well, when I graduated from my master's program or, you know, when I something started my own business, when I did something tangible that I could point to and say, like, here's the thing that we're all celebrating. Uh, Instead, it's these moments where you're sort of like, I feel new and I want to celebrate that with you in this way. Um, And it takes a lot more ownership because we don't see it done that often. Mm -hmm. So those kinds of landmarks, I'm really drawn to that both personally and professionally and having those blessing ways when I was pregnant with both of my girls felt like that, you know, it's like I, there's something happening for me and within me that I want to pause to acknowledge and to invite people to acknowledge with me that deviates from this traditional script of, the kind of events that we lift up.
1: Yeah, and not just the kind of events that we lift up, but the way that celebration is supposed to look. I remember yeah. uh, when I quit drinking, one of the things that I struggled with was this belief that seemed very true at the time that I wasn't really ever going to be able to celebrate anything again, because every big celebration In seemed at that, at least the way that my life was structured, to somehow revolve around alcohol, right? Or like to have alcohol at the forefront of it. And I just felt like, oh, that's really sad that, you know, I can't do the, hey, this thing happened to me at work. Let's like go out for drinks or let's whatever, you know, that sort of easy, low hanging fruit type of celebration. And so I mean this is sort of a nosy question but you know maybe specifically um when you were talking about honoring and celebrating the transition into being a mother can you share maybe some details of like what did that actually look like or maybe for other celebrations in your life I'm interested in sort of getting into the nitty-gritty of like cool we want to celebrate things but like what do you do like what does that look like for you
0: Yeah the most my like most recent pregnancy my daughter's about to be a year old so this happened uh about a year ago, actually, I had a gathering with my, both of my sisters and my mom and like five of my friends. And, you know, it was really intimate, just a couple of people there, uh, to celebrate, you know, what, um, like this, the, the transformation that I, you know, was happening within me. And, it included a couple of things. It was like, specific, Like I was very pregnant. So there was a very specific food component, uh, which was that I asked all of my friends to make my favorite thing that they made and bring that food. So it was like a, a potluck lunch of brunch of my favorite foods, which, you know, I was like kind of specifically curated what I wanted to to eat. So the food was a part of it. But more than that, I really wanted to have a space. So we, we had like a circle time and I'm really interested in, um, because words of affirmation are my love language. Uh, I'm really interested in how, um, both witnessing and sharing can be a part of these sorts of celebrations. And so what we created during that time was time and space for me to really speak honestly and openly about what that experience was like for me and what i felt was happening and what i was celebrating and you know what my what my fears were um or like going into the birth of my daughter freya and kind of you know the i had a really traumatic birth with my first child delphina And so the second time around, I wanted to really speak to that openly in front of the people who are like the most important people in my, in my life and also to have them um, verbally support me and to share um, with me kind of how they see me and what they appreciate about me and to, to verbally lift me up. And I will tell you that being verbally lifted up, uh, by people who I love is my number one favorite thing across the board. And so there, that is inherently celebratory, um, and feels hugely risky. Like there's nothing more embarrassing than saying, you know, than the idea of, I'm going to say like, say some nice things about me and that person's not going to have anything to say. I mean, there, there's something that you really have to overcome to say like, and now's the time where you all go around a circle and say lovely things about me to really be in ownership of that is a celebratory act in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And that was so meaningful. You know, we, we went around the circle and everyone said something to me about me. And that was one of my favorite things that ha- I've ever experienced in my entire life. And I think that there's something really special that happens, again, when we when we open ourselves up to that vulnerability and we allow ourselves to receive that, it's like I, I almost couldn't receive it. It was so much. But I um, made an effort to be present and to make space for it. And, you know, I talked, then everybody talked, and then we ate a lot of good food together. So you know, that was, that was pretty much that, the, the kind of (laughs) breadth of that, that, um, celebration. But I think that that piece, uh, whenever I run a retreat, I incorporate a piece of that too, where, um, I make an envelope for each person and put them out. And then over the course of the weekend, um, I have everybody write something or create something to put in everybody else's envelope. And then you get to walk away with this envelope full of reflections of that other people had during the weekend of, of how they experienced you. And, you know, because I'm a verbal person, because I love that that specific kind of affirmation, that always feels really celebratory for me. And, you know, no booze required for that kind of thing. Yeah. I think that, that, you know, we can be really creative about how we celebrate. And for me, the best celebrations include other humans and a lot of positive feedback.
1: Yeah, I feel... Really grateful that you shared that story. It's, I have this like, I don't know, like very sweet, tender, emotional, I don't know, like little buzz happening in my chest right now of just hearing you describe, you know, your loved one showing up for you in that way. And also sort of want to underscore like that didn't happen by accident, right? Like you curated that experience and were really clear on what you wanted. And there's just a lot of lovely intention as a, I guess, like theme or thread working its way through everything that you're sharing, which makes a lot of sense because I think those of us who, you know, for whatever reason, shy away from celebration or who have struggled with, you know, I went through the motions of what I think this celebration, you know, whether it's a wedding or a baby shower or whatever, or a birthday party, what I think it's supposed to look like, the elements that I think it's supposed to include, and it kind of fell flat, right? Or why do I feel sort of empty at the end of it? And part of that for me has been reflecting on mostly because i was just following the script and there's nothing wrong with mm. tradition or to you know keeping elements that are long standing in your family or your culture or your religion or anything like that you know to long honored things can be really beautiful if it's something that you connect with but just kind of it's almost like the the version of you know if you're an alien coming to earth and, you know, you have a printout of this is what a birthday party looks like, or this is what a slumber party looks like, right? <laughs> Almost those like listicle type things. And just mm-hmm. having the elements there isn't necessarily enough for it to feel truly like aligned or truly celebratory. And everything that you have shared has been a really nice reminder of, it doesn't necessarily have to be a big deal or this really expensive thing, but it's really just that act of what would feel good for me. And can I put that together? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, and that's the best part about celebration, really, is how unique to you it is. And, you know, I think the reason that a lot of us don't like celebration or shy away from it is because whatever that dominant narrative is that we're telling ourselves a celebration needs to look like um, doesn't fit us. So it's like it costs a lot of money. We don't have a lot of money. Or it requires a lot of people, you know, we don't have a lot of people or, you know, whatever. We have to wear a fancy outfit. We don't want to wear a fancy outfit, whatever that is. Remembering that the only thing that's required for a celebration is the celebratory intent. And that's it, right? Like everything else is optional and malleable and we can get creative with it. And, you know, what we, like it's it's generative, what we allow, you know, it breeds more celebration. Like, it, it's it's a life-affirming work to practice celebrating. Um, I love there's this children's book by an author named Bird Baylor uh, called I'm in Charge of Celebrations. And if you Google Mara Glatzel, I'm in Charge of Celebrations, there is a video online that you can all have me read the book to you. Um fun fact. <laughs> um, I don't know, it's like from a course a million years ago, but I found out it was public recently. Uh, so you cannot watch that. It's a great book. And the book is about really how the um, protagonist uh, tracks their celebrations and the things that they choose to celebrate. You know, it's like the, the first, the like the natural occurrences and um, kind of like keeping track of these celebrations in your notebook. So every year when that day comes along, you celebrate it again in this way and, and having these traditions. And what I love about that book is this idea, I'm in charge of celebrations, that I get to decide both what I am going to celebrate and how I'm going to celebrate that and cultivating these like thick rituals of celebration. And, you know, this speaks to me because I I really just like innately have a kind of like lay it on super thick love style. Uh, that's, you know, how I mother, that's how I partner. Like, I just love to... Have it be way above and beyond. I started a couple of years ago making these ice cream cakes for my family members' birthdays that are like just nuts. I mean, layers, flavors, like <laughs> insane toppings, like just really way, 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 way above and beyond. And I kind of like get off on doing that. Like I just love that. So, you know, in my own family, I like to have tons of of rituals around celebration that we're doing all of the time. um this past year, for christmas, we my partner and I invested a lot of time and energy into thinking about what our our holiday celebrations are gonna be, and there's like nativity sets and advent calendars and you know, it's just so much but for us it's like exactly the right like i just love to do that kind of thing so it works for me and i think that that's the piece it's like it has to work for us it has to fit within whatever our energetic capacity is to give and for me i find that the more that i celebrate the more energy that i have for it um the more that it thrills me and it's part of knowing and loving and accepting myself to give myself these these sort of over the top uh, avenues of celebration.
1: I love that so much. I really was nodding very vigorously about the you know being someone who like loves really hard. I know that's not exactly what you said, but <laughs> those descriptions really resonate with me, and I feel like it's a good reminder of the importance of. Just like embracing your true style with this kind of stuff and, you know, the joy of being in relationships of all kinds with people with whom that is like a real compatibility.
0: Yeah. And not waiting for somebody else to give to you that thing that you've always wanted. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know, this year for Easter, my family really loves Easter Um, both my parents are, you know, were raised Catholic, not Catholic now, but like heavy, always heavy into the real Catholic holidays. So like Christmas, Easter. Um, so we always really celebrate Easter. And this year, because, you know, we were sheltering in place already for a month and, you know, everything felt really heavy. Like I made these completely over the top Easter baskets and, Um, but delivered them (laughs) to the people in my family. It was just like, it was so fun. And it also was this piece of like, not, not sitting back and, and waiting for somebody to give me something like for me, undoing that story of like, if somebody really loves me, they'll know exactly what I want and need without me having to say it. Uh, was a big turning point in my life just generally, in my relationships generally, but also in my celebrations. Like once I was just like, well, I can be specific, I can verbalize what I want and need, I can create it for myself. Uh, there was so much more freedom and excitement and energy around celebrating.
1: Oh, yeah, I can imagine. I, I also want to kind of circle back quickly to something that you said before, sort of this idea that we really do get to decide what we celebrate, right? I think that there's something in that that is really important too, that like you said, you know, Christmas or Easter or some of the things that we've already talked about that are maybe big celebrations or big milestones for lots of folks. And, you know, that's awesome and and great. And also that it can be up to you to celebrate something that no one else is really celebrating or to do it in your own way. And, you know, when you were telling some of your stories, one of the things that came to mind for me um, uh, let's see about a more than a year ago, a little more than a year ago, I got divorced and, you know, as, as lots of folks know, it was, I guess, arguably like the, the best, nicest uncoupling process possible, which doesn't mean that it wasn't complicated and sad and all kinds of other things as well. Um, but one of the things that was really important to me in kind of the end stages of that uncoupling process, because our intention was to transition into a friendship and kind of chosen family relationship that it was important to me to mark that in a certain way. And it really made me think a lot about how much, uh, energy, there is like celebratory energy there is around oftentimes, like the start of something, right? Like, let's say, like the start of a marriage, right, or a wedding. And that doesn't really exist as much on the backside, or I, I just haven't and not even and maybe with friendships with other things, you know, relationship transitions, which is sort of similar to what you were saying about how we mark our own personal transformations and and traditions. And I was really stuck on I want to do something to mark this transition like something really tangible and didn't really know what to do or what was the right thing to do and finally realized there is no right thing to do and what we wound up doing that felt really good for us we had one of our wedding photos um, that we had had printed onto one of those big canvases you know how you can turn a photo into like wall art right get it printed on a big canvas and we took the photo off of the like wooden framing or backing. And we spent, I don't know, maybe a half hour with it laid out in front of us with Sharpies, making friendship vows and writing them on that, um, like photo on that canvas, you know, kind of, I promise this as your friend, I promise this as your friend. And it really was not a big deal. Like I said, like less than a half hour, it didn't have to be a whole thing, but, you know, rolled that up. And now that's something that I have kept. And just the act of doing that felt, really important for me and it was a really good i think a necessary reminder that it is like you said it is up to us to decide how we mark the like important aspects of our like changes in our life mhm totally and you're right you know i think that f- that
0: that endings by and large are not um are not celebrated and you know it's it's really up to us to bring light to to anything that we deem worthy of a celebration and and you know also to not have i don't know i feel like there's a lot for for a lot of us around this idea of like if it's worth celebrating, I have to feel like wholly good or excited about it, or it has to be like a completed thing. You know, it's like, you can celebrate something that you have mixed emotions about, something that's complicated for you. You know, I'm thinking about um, celebrations at the end of a life when you have a complicated relationship with that person, you know, and you're celebrating maybe like some of the things and also holding space for some of the things that didn't feel celebratory to you about that relationship, you know, like that there are so many things like that experiences like that, that are, uh, that we have kind of like a mixed bag of emotions for and, or are in process and we can choose to celebrate something that's not done. That's in flux that, you know, we have mixed emotions for it's like, it doesn't have to be, um, sealed up in a certain way too. Uh, in order to be worth celebrating.
1: Yeah, and to your point, it doesn't have to be reserved only for things that feel 100% joyous. Like even for me, thinking about the word milestone, like what a milestone is, to me, that actually feels like relatively neutral. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's a really joyful milestone. It could be a milestone of something that was really painful that maybe you're not celebrating it, but it is important to acknowledge it, right? On an annual basis mm-hmm. or whatever, or to just make space. I feel that way with you know certain grief milestones that yeah. to not just brush it under the rug and pretend that I don't feel however it is that I feel about it, you know, especially if that is complicated or painful. And it's just there's, there's just a lot more nuance than that. And I feel like it's up to us to expand like our, our definition of what gets honored. Yes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I teach a course called cycle, uh,
1: which which I am
0: in, yes, which you are in, (laughs) uh, which, uh, we talk a lot about this idea of like grief anniversaries and, you know, taking care of ourselves, um, in holding space for those times of year where, you know, more challenging things have happened for us. And that acknowledgement of our bodies are so wise and our bodies hold so much wisdom that a lot of times, you know, it's like, I think for my, for me, it's grief, like losing people that I've loved, but it's also like, I I'm mindful and celebratory um, every year around when I broke my ankle Uh, because it was really, it was like a really significant experience for me. You know, I went, it was like, from one minute to the next, I had completely shattered my ankle, couldn't walk for six months. That whole process of going from broken ankle to walking again was like, enormously transformative for me as a person in a very complicated way. Uh, And I don't do my like, I think so often it's like, oh, well, that's in the past. It happened a couple of years ago. So, like, move on. Well, uh, that was a profound experience for me. And similarly, the birth of my children. Like, you know, yes, it's their birthday. So, we celebrate them and their birthday. But, like, with my older daughter, I was in labor for 56 hours. Oh, my God. And it was – very intense, um, personal experience. And so, you know, for me to just like bypass my, my body's contribution to her birthday, uh, would be ignoring something that was so like a huge life event for my body. And so I think that like, You know, as we go throughout the year and we think about what we're celebrating, you know, in addition to those things that, like the rituals we have around people's birthdays or holidays or, you know, even things that feel like the bright side of celebratory to us, also being mindful about how we are maybe not even celebrating, but acknowledging, holding space for, um, making, making decisions around, like when it comes to things like my ankle, you know, it's like, I'm like a little gentle with myself that, that time of year, you know, like I feel a little bit more emotional than usual. I am a little bit less focused than I usually am. So I, I um, make accommodations for myself in that way. And that in and of itself is like an act of celebration of my humanity. So, you know, we can, um, we can work with be with ourselves in that way, too. And to acknowledge those um, might be grief anniversaries, or it might just be powerful and important experiences for our body that we do re experience in some way at that time, every every part of the year.
1: yeah. I think that's such a beautiful reminder and a lovely place for us to wrap up. I have two final questions for you. All right. The first, if you could leave our community, the listeners, with one call to action right now that's, I guess, related to what we've been talking about, maybe a question to ask themselves or a small action to take, what would you love to encourage folks to do?
0: I would love for you to think about how you can celebrate yourself in the next. 10 minutes of your life, half hour of your life. Like what is one celebratory act that you could do right now with what you have on hand, wherever you are and under whatever circumstance, but think about that idea of celebration being the intention. So if you're like pouring water into your water glass, like how can you do that in a celebratory way? If you're making yourself a cup of coffee, how could you do that in a celebratory way going for a walk? Same, but how can you practice Bringing that that act of celebration to whatever it is that you are about to do next in acknowledgement of how much you have already done today, whether it's early morning when you're listening to this or the end of the night, um, but really using that celebration to express
1: gratitude for yourself about everything that you have been and are. Mm, Yes, 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 yes. And then lastly, what is the best place for people to find you and say hi online? And or do you have anything in particular that you're excited to promote that you want to share or a piece of work that you'd love for me to link to anything like that?
0: Mm, Well, you can find me at maraglatzel.com. That's where I where all of my everything can be found. Um, I love to hang out on Instagram. So come find me at Mara Glatzel is my handle on Instagram. And, um, I don't have anything at the moment that I am, um, uh, have going on, but I have created a five day course called revive, which is really fun and totally free. Uh, so if you go to maraglatzel.com backslash revive or go to my website, you will find it there. Uh, It's all about self-care and infusing more of
1: everything that we've been talking about here into your daily life. Perfect. I will put um, links to all of that, particularly to the five-day course in the show notes. Mara, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And that's our show for today. Thanks so much for listening and for being part of the Real Talk Radio family. Speaking of the Real Talk Radio family, I am about to answer a listener question. But first, I want to give a huge shout out to Adam Day, my producer and sound engineer. Adam created the music for this show, and he makes everything work and flow and sound way better than I ever could on my own. You can find him and his music and his sound editing work at adamday.net. And now, let's get to today's questions. Hi, Nicole. It's Kat from Asheville, North Carolina. Congratulations so much on
0: this big milestone and thank you for bringing us all along for the ride. I have a few questions for you. I know you love asking about people's obsessions, but other than that, is there a favorite rapid fire question that you've loved asking? Has there been an interview or a guest that has unexpectedly got you interested in something you never thought you would do? And lastly, what's the worst part about being a podcast host?
1: Thank you so much. And I can't wait to hear what you say. Ooh, thanks, Kat. Those are fun questions. Okay, I'm going to do them in reverse order, I think. The worst part of being a podcast host. I'm sure this would be different for different podcast hosts, depending upon their natural strengths and weaknesses or what their show is like. For me, I think the worst part or at least the most challenging part has been not having full control over the outcome of the episodes. So as opposed to folks who do a solo podcast, if you're doing an interview-based show that's focused on, you know, your guests and their stories and that real interview process, obviously it's a collaboration. It's not just me, it's me and, you know, whoever's on the other side of the mic. And while I that's wonderful, right? Like I chose to do the show that way for a reason. It does mean that I don't have have as much control as I would if I was doing it just on my own. Cause on your own, you know, you can re-record if you don't like the way that something sounds. You can, you know, really just play Puppet Master more with the end result. And, you know, for this type of show. I can, of course, choose who I invite on the show can 't control who says yes. I can choose how much time I spend preparing for the episodes. right. I spend probably about two hours at least two hours per episode doing prep work, and I can do all of that, and I still can 't control whether or not we 're going to have a good, easy conversational flow i can 't control what the guest is going to say or not say and you know, all of that. So I think that's been the biggest challenge, but honestly, it's also been a good thing because it has certainly taught me how to loosen up some of that control. And it has also been a nice, I don't know if training ground is the right like phrase, but like training ground for creative stretching, right? It has definitely stretched me creatively and I have really appreciated that. The interview or guest who got me interested in something unexpected. I don't know that there has ever been anything that was completely unexpected because I'm the one who's inviting guests onto the show, and my criteria for who I invite on the show is that I have to be genuinely really interested in something, you know, about their life or their story, their work. So, in that regard, I wouldn't say that there are many surprises, but I will say that the series of episodes that I think have had uh, an unexpected impact on my personal life are the ones on non-traditional relationships, right? So guests like Melissa Fabello, Dedeker Winston, Amy Guerin, and most recently, Vanessa Friedman. Those episodes, while I obviously brought those guests on because I'm interested in talking about you know non-traditional relationships, they were i think more informative than i expected and more comforting for me as someone who you know the last couple of years has really gone through a big evolution of what i want my relationships to look like and obviously you know getting divorced through that process and and so i feel like what i got from it was unexpected and it, it, that was really the message that things do not have to look the way that we have been told in our friendships, in our romantic relationships, in our sexual relationships. We can choose. We can build you know, containers and families and relationships and structures that don't fit you know, the norm. And that has been really empowering for me personally. And then my favorite of the rapid fire questions, you are correct, Kat. The, what are you totally obsessed with question is my all-time favorite for sure. But I think the one that, I keep coming back to, I ask it more in the outros than in the main episodes, but it's the question of what's one thing that you wish people were more open and honest about. There's something about that question that I find to be very comforting because there hasn't yet been something that someone has said as their answer that I haven't been like, oh yeah, yeah, me too. I wish you know that, that people were more open and honest about that as well. And sometimes just hearing that reminder over and over again. And some of the answers are quite similar. A lot of people talk about money. You know, they wish people were more open and honest about money. There's something that feels really nice about, oh, okay, I'm not the only one who wants to have more conversations about this type of stuff. So I love that rapid fire question because I, not only is it, like I said, comforting as, you know, the listener for me, but I also think that it's quite illuminating about the person. You can learn a lot about someone uh, by digging into what they want folks to be more honest about. So thank you, Kat, for those questions. And until next time, here is a big virtual hug and a reminder that we're all just doing the best we can. And no matter what, we're in this together.